This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Welcome to today's episode of Think Retail. I'm Melinda Dinas, your host, and today we're recording in the Pure Later podcast studio at the Retail Council of Canada's 2019 Store Conference. Um, today we've got a great topic for you. All across North America, the decriminalization or legalization of cannabis has given birth to a brand new industry, and in many places you can now easily purchase cannabis online or in a store. Today we're speaking to Stefan Schenk from Mihi Cannabis. He's the SVP of Customer Experience about how you create a customer-centric retail experience for a product that has been underground for as long as any of us can remember. Welcome and thank you for being with us today, Stefan. Thank you very much for having me. Really excited about this. So when you're asked to develop a customer experience for a product where there is very little market research available, and really only a few examples of brands to learn from, where do you start and how do you figure out what your guests are going to want from that experience? For us at me, the key piece here really was about gathering insights, truly understanding what a customer wants and truly understanding the demographic that you're after and you want to service. So what we did is actually go out and spend well, in, well more than $1 million on, on insights generation to truly understand the target market. I think the other thing you want to do is actually look at comparable categories and industries and see some of the trends there. I would also say that there are some retail trends that are agnostic to, to any category. So what you would want to do is really get a good understanding of what's happening within the retail space, what's applicable to that category, then truly understand your customer base. And where did you find people who were willing to talk to you about being users of cannabis and what they would want from a retail experience? So we actually went out and did, did focus groups. So we found ex-dealers, we found people that are buying daily from the black market. We did ride-alongs with cops to truly understand how, wow. how the system works. So, so we really did our due diligence mm -hmm. um, to truly understand that. But it, it is interesting because you're dealing with a category that used to be illegal. Right. Uh, so how do you find an expert that ideally doesn't have a record? <laughs> Uh, so this was just some of the struggles, but the one thing we've, uh, we've uncovered throughout, uh, throughout our insights phase is that so many people use cannabis uh, to, to help them with their daily lives. Um, the median age is about 37 years, 37 years old for, a, for your user, so it's really not the, the stereotypical um, user that we are all thinking of. Um, right. And that's been really quite interesting. So in your research, you also visited stores in other markets that were open before they were open here. What did you learn about what works in a cannabis store and what doesn't? The one thing that was uh, truly amazing to us is that when we visited different retail locations in some of the different provinces or even some of the dispensaries down in the United States, was that everybody's focusing on, on selling products. Um, it is very, very much alike to a traditional gray market dispensary. Even if you look at some of the new stores that opened up here in Toronto or even in Ontario, I think you would all agree that they're not that far from removed from some of the gray market uh, dispensaries that are still operating up till this day. For us, what was very important was that we don't want to be in the business of selling products, we want to be in the business of selling solutions. Right. Um, so for us, it actually truly helped us understand the market and how we can differentiate. I think some of the key takeaways that, that we really had from our store visits were that A, the staff is everything about, it's about the staff. Um, our bartenders, guides, whatever you want to call them, are crucially important in such a heavily stigmatized industry where you really have to educate heavily. 
Um, and, and the other piece was really all about how do you actually destigmatize the category as a whole. And here you really need an open and inviting store environment. You need good, a good customer experience. And you really need to think through the mission that your shop is on, what kind of demographic you're going after, and really treat it like any other type of, of retail store. Right. And so, well, that leads me to my next question. So, the product does carry a certain stigma for some people. Um, so, how does that, how do you address that in a store experience? Um, education, 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 that's really what it comes down to, is to destigmatize the category, you really need to make sure that everybody understands what the plan can do for them, the benefits, as well as the, as well as the downsides of the, of the plan, because there are obvious down, down, downsides if you consume too much of it. I think the other piece is actually noticing that there's a stigma, but not really living up to it. So for us, from, from a Mihi perspective, we, we treat cannabis as if it would be part of your weekly shop. Right. Uh, our real estate strategy is very heavily centered on uh, on plazas, um, uh, co-located with uh, grocery grocery anchors, because we truly believe that three, four, five years down the road, this will just be another stop on your on your weekly trip. And I think as long as you approach it with that mindset, um, you'll actually help destigmatize the category as a whole. Absolutely. So you are also creating a commercial store for a product that has a very strong culture talking about advocacy and people who for a very long time have been not just users but but advocating for legalization so how do you address that in the physical space and in your customer journey i think a when talking about a legacy market we really have to to tip our head to all the hard work that they've done over the last years and all the sacrifices that went with that and we wouldn't be where we are today without without the sacrifice and efforts over years and years and years i think when it comes to addressing the, that culture and then, and then kind of the legacy market within your store environment it is a it's all about understanding that there may be people out there that understand the product better than you as the retail and being okay with that um, and then it is all about how do you a help them integrate into the new community because there's a big job to be done for us to actually help them along into the legal market and to integrate into that. But then it's also about how do I facilitate their trip, which is very different from a newcomer's trip. If I'm a newcomer, I want to walk in, I want to have the full experience, I want to get educated, I want to smell the product. If I've been um, surrounded by cannabis for 20, 25, 30 years, God knows for how long, um, I really want to go in, get my product and get back out. And for me, it's all about the product quality. So what you need to make sure when designing a store, strategizing for a store, is that you truly understand the mission they're on and then cater to that mission. Right. So as you were developing the Mihi brand and the store, what elements did you feel were really essential for your guest experience? There's even just a couple of touch points along the journey that you really think mm -hmm. are special. So for us, um, what, once again, I've mentioned it before, the guide. Right. Everything is about the guys. So how do you train them and how do you use them as a competitive advantage or differentiator within that market? We went as far as, as designing our own proprietary training training program um, with the help of, of SLD um, because we believe that that's the type of investment and level of effort you need to put into the education of your guides in order to be competitive. Um, we, we also believe that we are a solutions-based business. So, so what it means for us is that our guides also need to understand um, empathy. They need to understand consultative selling. I'm, I'm a true believer that when you walk into our store um, because you want to buy some purple kush because you're going out with your friends at night, our job is not really to sell you the purple kush. Our job is to make sure that you've got the best night possible. 
and the moment you approach it with that type of mindset, actually your, your, your view of the store changes and your view of what the, the role of merchandising and assortment changes. So for us, some of the key touch points within the store are our neat state-based zones in, in the four corners of our store, where it's really all about um, helping people find a solution to, to, to a certain issue they may have, all the way from trying to entertain people, trying to socialize, to trying to find relief from sleeplessness to, um, to uh, entertainment and actually based just wanting, wanting to get high. Right. <laughs> Um, the other big piece for us is, uh, is the, um, the discovery wall within our store environment because here is really where the journey starts for us. Um, this is where you get a solid understanding of, of cannabis, what it does, how you can consume it and, 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 and basically gives you just a solid grounding into this new and exciting category. And then last but not least, what I find to be very important is to actually think about the touch points holistically. So it's not necessarily just about what's my store going to look like, what's my website going to look like, but it's a truly understanding the role of mobile, the, 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 voice, the role of voice, the role of your website, the role of your store within that broader shopper journey and how you can service that, that shop and provide value and utility every time they interact with you as a brand. Right. So now we're going to take a little bit of a different turn. Some of our listeners may not know about this, so this might be a little bit of a, if we can give them a little catch up on how regulatory <laughs> issues in Ontario have impacted retailers in this market. So if you could give us a little background for the retailers who are outside of Ontario and don't know about this. No, I'm absolutely happy to provide a little bit of background on that. The, the reality is, is that the rollout in Ontario has been uh, less than ideal. Right. Um, I'm a true believer that the, the federal as well as provincial government is, is, is doing their best to help us uh, make this transition to a legal market as, as smooth and as seamless as possible. But obviously it's the first time they're going through this process so there are going to be uh, some hiccups al along the way. Initially the approach was that we would have a no-cap environment, which is uh, the, kind of the true meaning of an open marketplace, as in may the best operator win. Um, and this is what, what we as me have been prepping for for, for months. Um, just as an example, we hold about 37 leases right now with no stores open. Um, but what happened is that due, due to supply shortages um, that were being caused by a variety of issues, but uh, I would say the, the one that's most commonly referenced is, is the one that we're simply learning how to grow the product and how to process it. Um, they actually decided to go from a no-cap environment to a lottery that awards 25 retail licenses. Now, the thinking behind it lottery was that you want to keep it fair and you want to keep away the stigma of favoritism that usually comes with any type of award of new licenses in, in, in a new category. The main issue with that lottery was A, we called it a lottery, um, B, um, the lottery entry were basically the same price as a raffle ticket for the Princess Margaret Hospital. So naturally, many people entered the lottery. We, we had more than 25,000 respondents for 25 licenses, and most of them sole proprietors. Um, to be perfectly honest, if I wouldn't be working for Mihi, I would have entered the lottery, my daughter would have entered the lottery, <laughs> my dog would have entered the lottery. Um, so we awarded 25 licenses. Um, unfortunately, none of the, um, I, I want to call them organized retailers, were, were successful during the, during the licensing process. So what we saw happening post-lottery post, post was a, a lot of deal-making be, between larger brands and retailers and, and smaller entrepreneurs that are basically cashing in on the raffle ticket. And we also saw some sole proprietors actually trying to go out on their own and actually start their own stores. 
I don't think we have all 25 open yet, but, um, but, but I think what we're seeing is, is a, a retail launch that's not been as, as smooth as it could have been. And I, I think the other piece here is also is that as a retail operator, as one of the first 25, your responsibility is not just to your business, your responsibility is also to the industry as a whole, because you're actually setting a precedent that everybody has to either overcome or live within for years and years and years to come. Um, so long story short, retail rollout wasn't ideal. We're right now in a holding pattern. We actually are hoping for news from the provincial government. They are committed to a no-cap environment. They are committed to, um, I, I would say, more heavily regulated um, uh, licensing procedures, as in you'll need a, a higher letter of, of credit to actually apply for store licenses. You need to hold an actual lease in order to apply for a license, for license because they've recognized that the previous lottery was not ideal and that there's a need to get uh, organized operators into the market in order to A, compete with the black market and B, truly destigmatize the, the industry and actually start rolling this out at scale. Right, and also not ideal for those who want to go and be able to purchase it legally and who are sort of like, well, where can I go? There's not very many options, right? And, and that is actually one of the main issues. And I think if you look at the sales numbers and even, even the, the comparable sales numbers in between the provinces, the reality is that Ontario is dead last because we don't have customer touch points. And yes, we can talk about we need to get rid of the black market every single day, but unless we have more touch points, this will never happen. So, so for us, number one priority needs to be to get more customer touch points into the marketplace. Right, absolutely. So, and, and how have you, you said you're in a holding pattern, mm -hmm. and how, how is Miki handling this, this curveball here? Obviously, December 2018 has been rough, just shortly after they made the announcement because we were ready to go, we were ready to apply for licenses. But um, we actually look at it as a, as a bit of a blip rather than something that will fundamentally change the way we will do business or the way we will go to market. Um, we are fortunate that we are well capitalized, so we are actually being quite opportunistic. As an example, as I've mentioned earlier, we're still holding 37 licenses. We are actually aggressively pursuing new licenses in some of the markets that we've been locked out of previously um, just because the, the real estate uh, game was a bit heated right. in October and November as everybody was trying to make deals. So we look at it opportunistically. I think the other piece here is for us that um, it is capital intensive to hang into, to service your leases, to service your overhead, that's a cost to, to pay your staff. But we also look at it as an opportunity to potentially um, acquire retailers uh, down the road if this goes on for, for, for longer. But as I said, we look at it as a blip rather than something that will fundamentally change the way we go to market. So if you were to talk to someone who's in a market that tomorrow it's suddenly legalized and you've got a friend who wants to start a cannabis retail brand, what top advice would you give to them? I think the number one advice I would give to them is, is be energized by the hype, but don't be fooled by it. As in, yes, cannabis is a sexy industry. Yeah, yes, there's a lot of talk about cannabis right now. But in the end, it's a retail business. We're, we're running a retail store that happens to be in the cannabis space. And then there are quite a few metrics and, and realities that come with that. So number one advice would be don't be fooled by it. As in, uh, be very aware of what you're getting yourself into. I, I think the second piece of advice would be truly understand the marketplace. Truly understand your customer. I'm a big believer that the first two or three years after legalization, the moment you've got a store, 
you'll be somewhat successful because we will be one of the few touch points that are out there and you can almost be successful besides yourself. But ultimately, two, four or five years down the road, you need to be a good operator. You need to understand your customer base to truly be able to compete. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's all I've got. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a ton of fun. It's really fascinating to watch the cannabis market unfold. And at SLD, we feel very lucky to be working with several amazing cannabis brands, Mihi and Organigram, as the market becomes established. Stefan talked a lot about education throughout the conversation, about educating yourself as an operator, listening to those who've laid the groundwork for legalization through advocacy, learning how to train your frontline staff, understanding, truly understanding an industry that doesn't exist yet is going to present you with some unusual challenges. I doubt there are too many retail categories where market research would involve driving around with the police. Ingenuity, capital, and the ability to weather the unexpected are going to be keys to succeeding in this very competitive new market. And I'm hopeful that regulations here in Ontario open up because working with Mihi, I can say from first-hand experience, they are a brand committed to the consumer. And I think talking to Stefan here today, our conversation illustrates that commitment. And we're going to link to the Mihi website in our podcast description. So if you want, you can learn more about the brand and hopefully we will all be able to visit a Mihi location sometime in the very near future. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time, we talk about trends to look out for in the food service industry. We hope you'll join us.